See how good that was? And Good morning, BHA. It is a podcast about barbershop recorded today. Richard Reeve in Queensland and there's Ash down in Perth. Two Australians talking about the greatest hobby on earth. Oh boy, it's swell to say. Good morning, BHA. Good morning, BHA. Good morning, BHA. Hey, 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 hey. Hello, Ash. It's been so long since I've seen you in person. It's a pleasure to see you on the uh, on the screen. Although, for the listeners' benefit, we could also be in person. Um, uh, how are you feeling, barbershop wise? This is we're recording this just a moment of matter of uh, matter of days after Sweet Adeline's Australia uh, National or the Sweet Adeline's Region Thirty Four International Region Thirty Four contest. You're still bubbling from the excitement. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yes. oh we, we've, we, we had to... let's introduce our guest. <laughs> Was, oh, that's right. I was I was asking us, but that's okay. Um, Ash, I'd listen, oh. we, even we, I wasn't from, clear from, who you were talking to just then. I was like, wait well, a minute. Well, I did say Rich, Ash, hello. Introduced. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so as the listener will know from the title of this uh, of this episode and uh, and the photo that goes with it, uh, we are with um, nationally uh, legendary uh, director and uh, coach and quartet singer and general barbershop leader Lee Baker. Welcome to Good Morning BHA. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, as we, as we were seamlessly saying, um, how are you and how are you coming down from the bubbliness of, of, of uh, Sweet Ed's uh, Australian contest, Lee? <laughs> yes, thank you. It was, uh, it was a great time for us in Brisbane because we hadn't been able to sing for, as, you, as everyone knows, um, years. And it was four years since our last regional contest. So that was, it was a big lead up to that contest. And we didn't really know how we would go because it was a bit like, well, this is going to be a new line in the sand and let's just see where we are. Um, so we didn't put a lot of, a lot of uh, pressure on ourselves for scores, which I think was a good thing. We didn't mention scores. We, we talked about levels a little bit. But we just went out there to try and have uh, the, put the best performance on we could. And when we dissected all of this last night at our online rehearsal, because so many people are sick, we had an online rehearsal last night, we, we talked about that. We said, yeah, you know, we, don't, we normally kind of aim for a certain score and improving our score. We didn't talk about that. Maybe that was a good thing. Um, we will, uh, we, we've, we've leapfrogged ahead to so much, which is excellent. I will come back to the, the question I always start with, but since we're here, um, yeah, I'd love to, uh, talk to you about chorus culture uh, in Endeavour Harmony Chorus and, uh, and you, uh, just won, of course, the, the national contest. And, um, is my, is my intel correct that you are undefeated Endeavour Harmony Chorus as a national champions each time you've competed? Well, I believe each time we've competed in the last half a dozen times, we've not, uh, we've won. So, of course, choruses have won. Out, we're outside there. that cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so, if anyway. Yeah. And, so, and although that's, that's fantastic for us, but we never rest on our laurels for that. We know that there are choruses coming up behind us. Some very good choruses. We were one of those um, back about 10 years ago. We were trying to uh, edge up behind some of the best choruses in Australia. And we, we, we know that there's some coming up behind us. So, hmm. so since we're there, um, yeah, how do you discuss goals in the chorus? What's, uh, 
whether it's um, uh, musicality of singing, whether it's scores, whether it's uh, medals, uh, whether it's impact on audience uh, without wanting to lead the witness. Um, how do you actually uh, t have that discussion in chorus as a, as a musical leader? We used to use scores uh, and, or, and or levels rather than um, we never would use placings because we don't have any control over that. That would mean we need to control what others are doing and we can't do that. So we would, when we first started out as a chorus, we would often have a goal for 30 or 40 points improvement. And then we would look at what that was within a level and then we would look at, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for us that we need to do to get there? So it was good because it boiled down to, there was a very short discussion on that and a very long discussion on how do we get to that extra 30 points? It, you know, it means there's got to be more consistent vowel matching or more consistent legato singing or whatever. Um, but we didn't do that this time. Uh, we, we just, so we had a really successful show in uh, last year and 2022 uh, after COVID and the show was fantastic. We felt great. We felt so confident. We were singing well. And we, we decided as a chorus that going into this contest in Brisbane, we wanted to perform like we're on a show, but prepare like we're going to a contest, mm, but not get nice. onto the stage and feel all worried about, mm. oh, what if we don't do this? And <laughs> because that's so easy to do. Mm. So so I think the difference this time was we didn't talk about scores because we just didn't know what our... We we just thought all bets are off because it's been so long since we last competed in 2019. Was it a bit of a good problem? And Did you have a bit of more freedom than you would previously? Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it... That's amazing. And yeah. so... Um, just staying on this topic for a moment, um, tease out if you would, please, yeah, your your view on competition. And what I mean is it's clearly a double-edged sword because as you've just been saying, um, you know, we can get worked up, we can go, you know, what if I don't do this? What if I get that? There's like, there's a lot riding on it. Conversely, it provides us a specific goal to strive towards and may, and maybe something that that we wouldn't work as hard or as smart or if we didn't have it. So yeah, what's, what's your view of the double-edged sword that is competition? Um, the double-edged sword of competition is that... It's like, is it a good thing or would we be better off if, if we didn't have it? I mean, we can always choose not to compete, uh, but... I think we need it. I think mm -hmm. we need it because it makes everybody pull the collective finger out and right. <laughs> really get working, especially well, when no, they're the a good, finger. cohesive okay. team, they're a competitive team they want to do well mm. they will in the last few weeks my chorus especially in the last few weeks will make remarkable improvements and I remember once Jim Arns I think it was said whatever you're rehearsing whatever you're putting on whatever you're, whatever you're performing like at your rehearsals six weeks before contest is what you're going to put yeah. on stage yeah. so make sure that that is that you're consistently doing all the things you want to do. And at six weeks out, I always go, oh, <laughs> like, you know, this is not so good. But actually, I found that in the last four, three, four, two weeks, 
they're so hungry to be because they can feel it's getting so mm, good yep. mm. and their team the team of us is just such a, a great collective that they do make those improvements so i think that's what i love about contest mm. is the preparation and the improvements mm, you mm. can make the leaps and bounds you can make um and then the other side of it is not letting the mental game get to you not mm. not letting the not worrying about what will happen if you don't do something and instead of keep saying what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is this. So it's the mental game. Love it. Do you have any um, break? Have you had any breakthroughs or penny dropping moments in, in your life where you've gone, oh, rather than trying harder to do this, I can actually achieve a better performance by by getting out of my own way? Have, have, have you had personal experiences where you've, you've found a new way of of performing in a relaxed musical by yourself? Uh, for me personally or for me as the chorus director? Yeah, starting with you personally and then we'll yeah, head on to you as a leader. Um, you strike me as a pretty confident person, so maybe you've always just been a natural on stage. I don't know. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh, no. And you know what? I think the biggest thing for me was discovering how much tension I was holding in my body right. as a singer. That I didn't even know was there and when I think now back to what I used to sing like in mm. quartets uh, on stage it was overwhelmingly tense right. and since and I still did pretty well and I thought wow imagine if I had discovered that tension and released been able to release it and sing with more freedom um, how, how much better it would have been for my quartet um, so that's what I've discovered personally. And for the chorus, I think one of the things, and this is again one of the things I think we did in, in Brisbane, was to approach, and especially the ballad, our ballad was a very tender ballad, um, but, but even so, even in an uptune, many choruses will just sing at a fairly loud volume all the time and then they will add some softs and they'll bring the volume down so they well let's go soft here so we'll go soft here and I think it was Mark Hale or someone like that in America when I was at one of the master classes and and they were doing this amazing job of this build up through this song and it was and it would and it was exciting and then there would be these huge growths in mm. dynamics and then it come back and he said uh it's so much more exciting and better for scoring and your audience if you approach a song as a soft song that you mm. add volume to mm -hmm. rather than a loud song that you're going to take volume wow. out of every now and then. And that, I think, is one of the pivotal things that, that has helped us with... It's because it's really hard to do. It's much easier to sing just loud all the time <laughs> um, than it is to sing those clear softs, those clear, well-supported softs. So, but I think... If you can make that switch, it really does make a big difference to your artistry. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so now that we've spent a substantial amount of the, this excellent interview, let's go back to the start. Um, uh, I, I'm aware that you had a, a musical family and you uh, always sang, etc. So just just briefly, yeah, tell us about your your musical background and and how you discovered barbershop. Mm-hmm. My uh, my mum and dad were both musical, but especially my father. Uh, even though my mother is Welsh and you would think that she had more of the musical Love that Welsh background singing, being yeah. Welsh and actually 
her, her, they, they, they're very musical, the Welsh people, and I think I've got those genes. But Dad, um, I didn't know how good he was, uh, but he was a phenomenal, his tuning was phenomenal. He would whistle in tune that you could probably put a T tuner up and it would be his mm, screen mm. smiley face the whole time. <laughs> and he used to, instead of telling me stories as a kid uh, before bedtime, he, we would sing together. And I remember him, you know, we would sing. He would he would teach me the melody to some little song and then he'd say, now you sing that and I'm going to harmonise. And then he would harmonise and next thing I'm saying to him as a kind of three and a half year old, mm. well, you sing, you sing harmonize? the melody, I'm going to harmonise. And awesome. I was just har- harmonising. So, and that, that was, I would put down 80% of my, um, my ear training to that, kind of early really early mm-hmm. solid uh tuition from dad it was just games though it wasn't really mm-hmm. it was just having fun and we we also had a lot of harmonies in the harmony singing in the house so their records were the kingston trio the brothers four these are all uh these are all things that you put, you guys probably won't know because you're way too young. Um, <laughs> but these are all four, four part harm, three and four part harmony, um, close <laughs> acapella harmony singing. So I just was listening to it all the time. Amazing. Then, so yeah, go. Um, and then how I got into barbershop was that, uh, and so I used to harmonize with, I just loved harmony. I would be driving along and harmonize to whatever it was that was singing i would find a harmony part i would rather to do that than mm-hmm. sing the melody melody's boring yeah but the, but but as i re- didn't realize you've got to have a really nice strong uh, <laughs> to sing against. melody in yeah. order to in order to enjoy the harmony but yeah. i guess the bgs were pretty you know always good like awesome. that and simon and garfunkel and yeah. um bread you know, any mm. kind of group that had harmonies, I would just devour that singing in the car. And we lived 15, 20 kilometres out in Bathurst on a farm. So I had lots of driving in the car um, singing. So you're singing. Anyway, yeah. uh, mum was, mum, mum, my mother was one of the founding members of the Bathurst Panorama Chorus oh, okay. at the time when they first started. And I remember her mentioning this to me and saying, oh, I'm in this, I mean, you know, you enjoy singing harmony. I'm in a harmony group. And I was like, oh, that's lovely, mum. <laughs> I think I was 23 or 24 and working in Sydney, living in Sydney. And uh, so I moved, moved uh, back from Bathurst back to Sydney. Anyway, and she kept telling me about this group. And I said, that's lovely. And then one day she said, and we're performing in the Blue Mountains. Why don't you come up and see us? And so that's... That was an hour and a half. It wasn't so far. And I said, okay, I'll go and see you. So they were performing up there. And I and they, she said, now come into the rehearsal hall because we're going to rehearse in this church hall and then we're going to do the performance outside. So the church hall had these amazing acoustics mm-hmm. and they had a little chair for me to sit up the front. I'm sitting up the front. And, and they launched into this four-part warm-up or whatever they were doing. And I was like, oh, my God. Gosh, I had no idea. What is this? And the hair was standing up on the hey. back of my neck because I didn't want to let her know. <laughs> but I thought it was so cool. I'm like, oh yeah, that's I pretty guess good. It's fine. Anyway, so um, so the in the audience that day was the president of Sydney Town Chorus, and that was I think probably the only chorus in Sydney at the time. And so um, 
mum introduced me to Chad Feidler, who was the president, and Chad Feidler, and mum said, Lee loves to sing. She, she sings harmony, but she's not in a group. And well, that was it. Chad Feidler rang me every day <laughs> or every week, because they rehearsed on a Thursday night. Mm. Every Wednesday, she would ring me. She rang me at work. She would <laughs> ring me every week, and every week I'd say, no, no, I'm, no, mm. no, I'm, I mean, no. I'm not interested in being in a group, no. And so finally I had no more excuses and I went along. And they were in Concord, which was not far from where I lived, and and I joined them. Fantastic. And so that was your, Bathurst was your first experience of barbershop. What was your first experience mm -hmm. in, in, so it was 88, yeah, that you, you walked in in Sydney 80, to, to the chorus? 80, 89. 89? 89. And what was your first experience there and, and what made you keep coming back? Well, my first experience was how old they were mm -hmm. um, as, <laughs> I mean, I was at uh, early 20s and yeah, yeah. I just felt like I was the youngest one there by a long shot. By a generation Which really shouldn't, mm. shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. Mm. Um, but that's what you think like when, you, when you're 21, I guess, mm. 22. And, um, and, but I loved the harmonies. I loved mm. the singing. It was the mm. same experience as, as listening to that to the Bathurst group I so I joined for the music and I quickly made friends and then I tried to figure out because I didn't read music I had no music theory experience at all I tried to figure out what makes those chords so amazing mm. what, how do they work I, I didn't understand how they worked so I bought myself a little reel-to-reel four-track nice. recorder and I would just for the Sing. listener's benefit, Lee is just sort of uh, with her hands uh, describing visually what a four-track <laughs> recorder is. <laughs> For our younger audience. You know, with tape. For our younger the audience. ones with tape that went around. There was no digital Goes stuff in circles. back then. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I kind of would go home and just lie on the couch and try and put all these parts down that I had heard on our learning tracks and figure out what was going on. Pretty soon I was making the learning tracks. <laughs> nice. And then they still were using my learning tracks about 30 years later. Hey. So, uh, and I became um, lead section leader, then another section leader, then tenor, because I was singing all the parts. Mm. Um, and after about five or six, uh, we had a, a, a really lovely director who was doing very well, although you don't really know. You don't know what you don't know at mm. the time. Um, but she passed away from cancer and then they were... This chorus doesn't exist anymore. Mm. They kind of folded up years ago. But they would take on different directors and they never really got a good one. Um, and by mm. then, I'd been there six years. Mum mm. and I were off to every international mm -hmm. every year. We'd go to every regional event. We were wow. just devouring awesome. wow. um, the barbershop, trying to learn more about it. I was just completely obsessed yeah. with how and, and getting the listening to the buying the very best albums mm -hmm. that I could. Uh, you know, ambiance and all the great male quartets and choruses mm, and mm. just listening, listening, listening. Mm. And that's such a good way to learn because, because you, you're kind of immersed in, in the sound that we're actually aiming for. And even you pick things up consciously different. and subconsciously, don't you? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I got frustrated because we weren't improving as fast as I thought we should be mm. as a chorus. And um, so I ended up leaving and starting my own group because I think I, I figured I, I kind of know where we're going. I, I don't know how to get there, but I know where we want to be. So mm. you did that. So um, I started my group in 
1996. Yeah, Stadium Endeavour Harmony. So, and, and we will get onto that just very momentarily, but it, um, it sounds from what you're saying like you had quite a lot of, of opportunities to just just grow into roles of musical leadership uh, with, with your first chorus. Uh, and, and that seems to be really very common throughout Barbershop, doesn't it? What was your experience there? Just sort of, yeah, just, just being in a role and, 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 and having the opportunity to, to, to learn about learn about your skills as you grow. Yeah, yep, for sure. I was working in the corporate um, area at the time and in human resources and I had, I had, a team of people working for me. So I had developed some leadership skills within a corporate environment Mm -hmm. and quickly was figuring out how to transfer those skills across to leading a chorus of volunteers Mm. uh, who don't get paid and who don't get KPIs and all that stuff that you do in in the corporate environment. But um, but it's very similar. Still people. It's, you know, it's people and... Mm. um, there's a lot of similarities, but after a while, we would, my company would take us on new, we, we, there'd be new initiatives that we'd put in for HR and change management models and all that sort of stuff. And I'd be like, this is so good for chorus. And I'd be taking it home to chorus. <laughs> it's, you know, it's probably using those things more for chorus than I was for my day job. That's yeah. awesome. That's it's a lot of great examples of, of people bringing their professional skills there. Is is there an example of the other where you've learned, where you've taken but your things you've learned in barbershop to to your, your, your corporate professional life? Um, I know you're a voice teacher, so that sort of goes without saying. <laughs> that you would take a yeah, lot of barbershop skills there. Yeah, we didn't do any there. voice teaching <laughs> in my corporate job. Uh, yeah, it's hard to think of the reverse. It's funny how uh, sometimes it does happen, but that's okay. Um, our time is limited. So yeah, let's, uh, we could spend an entire uh, episode just on this, but yeah, briefly, it's it's uh, not for the faint-hearted starting a group. Obviously yeah. you were ambitious and, and you had a, a, a vision you wanted to achieve. Um, tell us how you, how you went about doing that. Sorry, you just broke up there. Just tell us the, the process of starting Endeavour Harmony because it's oh. not for the not for the faint-hearted to start a chorus and, yeah. and uh, you know, of... not only one that, that has, has gone on to be so successful. Yeah. I had a lot of help in the early days. Um, my mum came down from... I, so I started it in Sylvania in Sydney and my mum would come down every week and... Um, she would help out Wollongong. Oh, there was Wollongong Harmony Chorus. They they came up and performed uh, on the first night. And so I, I guess my thing was that I knew where I wanted to go. I knew the sound that I wanted. I kind of had rich tones and, you know, melodies and all those choruses in my head. But I didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know the steps I had to take. And I, that's what I had to learn was was music selection and um, vocal skill training and all of that stuff. Whereas I think, it's, but I think that's a good problem to have. It's a better problem to have than, than I know how to teach people to sing, but I have no idea what good barbershop actually mm. sounds like. Because you, you don't know where you're going. You've got to know where you're going. Yep. Um, Number one priority is to have a vision. Interesting. Yeah, interestingly, there were, there were a couple of girls who, in the chorus at the time, Sydney Town was was still on its up and up trajectory at the time, and um, 
but they were plateauing. I felt that they were plateauing. They weren't growing. They weren't getting better. And it was because of the musical leadership choices they were making. And here I was, I'd started this brand new group with no barbershoppers in it at all. Nobody came across from, from Sydney Town. No one joined from any other chorus. It was just my brand new little group of women who saw my vision and said, let's, let's join this, this young girl and on her journey. And a couple of the girls that were in my group, after about six months, because they were seeing, you know, all these other choruses propping up cop and, and doing well. Mm. And they said, two of them said, look, we're going to go and join Sydney Town. And I said, mm. well, okay, why? Mm. And they said, because they're big and they're good. And we want to be big and good. And I wow. said, well, okay, but give me a, give me a year or two. We're going to yeah. be good. I don't know. I, yeah. can't, I can't promise we'll be big. But we're going to be really good. I promise you. And they said, no, we're we're off. So off they went. And after a couple of years, Sydney Town kind of went um, and and dissolved altogether. And we were going. And then they came (laughs) (laughs) knocking on the door. Can we come back? So, you know, said, sure. Told you to wait. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Um, so um, we, we uh, again, the time is rapidly coming through. This is these are outstanding stories. Um, you uh, you of course have a, a master of fine arts in in uh, in, in in voice. Um, is that um, did you do a bachelor's in, in in music as well or? No, I did my undergraduate degree in occupational health and safety. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> About just... thirty years ago. Right. So uh, no, nothing to do with it because I completely. I mean. It didn't. I don't think it even mattered that that. Um, oh, well, maybe it did. I mm. mean, who knows? So I did a master of fine arts in voice at NIDA, and mm. the reason I did that was because I wanted to learn more about how the voice works. I'd been teaching voice for years and learning everything I could from Sweet Adelines and the VHS, Harmony University, mm. all fantastic. Uh, but I was missing. The, the fundamentals of it, I was I was not understanding how resonance really worked and all, all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to really top up my knowledge of the science really behind, mm. instead of having to wade through what potentially isn't really scientifically proven or, mm-hmm. or evidence-based, um, I wanted to kind of go straight back to the and then find all the different ways you can still teach voice and you do mm. need a variety of ways, but the underpinning of that was what I wanted. And and I got that at NIDA, although I was a bit, because it was only really the Conservatorium of Music or NIDA to do a, a master's degree in voice. And mm. I didn't want to do classical mm-hmm. in the con. So mm. my other option was, was actors uh, teaching or studying in an acting school. Mm. And at the time, I wondered whether that was going to be appropriate for singing. I thought, mm, it's really acting. I'm a singing. I'm the only person who's a singing teacher who's here. All the rest of my cohort were actors mm-hmm. um, and music, some musical theatre. And But it turns out it's absolutely perfect. It's absolutely, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's one voice, um, you know, hello. Uh, we use it for, for speaking and for singing. And the, so I'm really enjoying the transition of moving 
the actor's voice into the singing voice um, and vice versa. That's really cool. So is that the main sort of takeaway? There's a lot, obviously, you did in your, in your Master of Finance with voice, but was that sort of the key takeaway or was it like a raft of takeaways that you, you, you've been, because uh, you graduated in 2001? Um, yeah? Main thing is the, the, the embodiment of the voice that actors let, that actors let the thought drop into the breath and then the breath informs hey, yeah. I love it. That's a good one. Um, and so, so then you get a, a response that is reaction, reactionary, it's primal, in it's free. It's in the moment. Um, it's not thought about and planned by the brain. And then all the tension gets added in. So it's using... If we can tap into that for singing as well as for make I mean, actors look, because actors look so um, authentic, because they are being authentic. They're they're truly thinking of that what they want to say next and mm-hmm. why they're going to what the subtext is. So they're going to be angry or they're going to be whatever it is, and mm-hmm. that their body informs all of that. And if we can tap into that for singing, then we're in the we're we're heading in the right direction. This is absolute gold. I think that would be... Hmm. Sorry, this will be... Um, so that's the main, probably one of the main takeaways from from the... From your, um, from your studies, yeah. Let's, from, the, let's from the studies. dig into that a bit more because it's so topical. Um, and how, and this, you know, crosses over in, into your, your, your coaching as well, but just on that point, um, how have you found that, that the most effective way at helping barbershoppers... Um, helping the, the penny to drop for barbershoppers about, you know, because many of us have gone for many years of, of, of being trained in just, you know, doing the plan and watching the director and being, you know, being uh, uh, quite robotic and not necessarily authentic. Um, how have you found the, the, the best ways to help barbershoppers make that breakthrough and, and think and take ownership of, of that story while clearly having part of their brain still, you know, being part of the chorus and not just being an individual? Um, I think I think it's partly to do with breaking it down into a story and why you're saying the next sentence in or why you're singing the next sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't think about that. We're just some, in our barbershop world. We get very worried about getting all the vowel shapes right mm-hmm. and the connected tone flow. And then yes, but you're now talking about something that the thought has changed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I didn't see that thought change. So I don't believe you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can do all of that stuff, all the technical stuff, but add in the, the, the fact that this is, has a story, has a beginning, a middle and an end. And that there's all those <clears throat> frustrations coming out and then there's some cajoling going to happen. And then there's, you're doing all these things to try and get what you want by the end of it in Cy Woods terms. Mm. Um, and and let's see that. How would that look if you were saying it as a piece of text mm-hmm. instead of singing it as a song with all those artificially yeah. added things that we've been that we've always been doing in the past. Mm. Yeah. One of the best things about barbershoppers, of course, is is that you know, generally speaking. Um, you know, we all try to do as we're asked and told, you know, by the musical leader and, and, and do our job and, you know, do our best to sing. 
Um, um, but we're so busy doing that that uh, we we uh, get in the way of, of really understanding the text. And sometimes, what would what would your response be to the person? And you may well have heard this many times. Just oh, you know, just just give me what well, like what do you want me to do? Give me a, like, am I supposed to be happy here or frustrated or sad <laughs> or and like you know, give me the word. And how do you help them transition to well? You've already got it in in the lyric. How do you transition to help them trust themselves that they can just be themselves and perform the lyric authentically, and and the emotion will come. Mm. Uh, why you why are you singing the song? Mm. Why are you telling this story? And go back to the why can often help that because um, everyone's slightly different, mm. and that's fine. Mm. Uh, so why are you saying, and then why do you think you're now changing it to this sentence? Why mm-hmm. isn't, why are you repeating that? Mm-hmm. What, what's the point in repeating it? Mm. And when I think they think about those things and they think more deeply about the story that they're telling, they'll go, well, I guess because they really want to emphasize that's important. Yep. And why is it me and not they? Or why is it you and not them? Mm-hmm. Um, as pronouns and and finding the within the text are all the things that uh, can bring the story to life and I think spending time with that that's what we should be spending some more time with rather than oh, uh, and in addition to all the stuff we, we do in barbershop singing yeah mm. so <clears throat> more time on so, text and, and letting yeah and letting them yep. have their own story I, yep. you know once again it was one of the men's Harmony U classes. Um, I shouldn't say the men's because it's everyone now, isn't it? Is, it? It's yeah. Uh, yeah, BHS. Uh, one young guy. It was a love song, and he was a young guy. Didn't hadn't had a girlfriend or anything, and he he said, "Hey, this is about my car." Is that okay? <laughs> and the director said, "Man, you're just. It's so <laughs> it obvious works for that you, you love yeah. your car." <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so it's got to be, you've got to let people be themselves yeah, 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 yeah. too. Does, um, uh, this, this works in well, Lee, with, um, so it's, I love how you're talking about this. I'm noticing on your the chorus blog that you've had, you know, you've got uh, acting coaches coming, uh, have come in and, and helped you with this. Um, and, you know, you've just won the competition, which is all, this has all worked very well. Uh, just perhaps a bit of a leading question as well. Um, did, 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 <laughs> Apart from just winning and having a great performance, do, do, do you think uh, your singers enjoy performing this way more as well? I think so because it's more freeing. Good answer. They feel less <laughs> constrained to comply to some norm. Um, and, and also because our visual category has been updated, it's we don't have to be exactly the same. We just have to be telling the story mm-hmm. all telling the story in the same way so yes i i believe it's if you would ask the singers i would say we feel much more freedom awesome which leads directly obviously back into yeah the freedom of singing and, and singing with our our best voice the whole time um we um just a number of things to cover in our, in our last minutes together um i it, uh, uh, um, I'll be slightly unkind and ask you, yeah, to just summarise your, your extensive coaching career and what, what are the key sort of 
takeaways, trends you've observed, uh, some, some, again, penny dropping moments where you've seen someone like another musical leader or an ensemble, um, you know, make a breakthrough. What, what are some standouts from you and your coaching career? Uh, well, I thought a coaching question might come up <laughs> and one of the things I would offer is that to, for me to be the best coach I can be is one of the skills is to know what the group needs now um, mm. from you and not give them everything you know Mm. because that makes you feel good because look how much I know (laughs) it's like what does this group need right now and what's going to give them the best success by the end of tonight when I'm coaching them and and that they can transfer into their performance next week are they three weeks out from contest or three years that Mm. would completely change the way a coach would work with that group. And I think that's one of the most important things is, is that. And the second thing is to do, people learn from doing, they don't learn from being mm. talked at. And Except on an excellent podcast, get, yeah. It gets <laughs> just, just chat, 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 chat. And you know, there are coaches that have come to my course. I'm like, when are we going to get to do? And they give you a shopping list uh, of yeah. things. Mm, mm. And it's like, I was ready to do the first thing, but now there's yeah. a list and I can't remember what the third thing was. So give them one thing, get them doing it, talk mm. about it, do it again, nice. re- celebrate your success. And now let's add to that. There's a second thing I want you to do. Keep doing that. Um, that, that would be what I encourage my musical leaders to 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 do as well Mm. steer clear of shopping lists and get them singing more than you're talking that's awesome i love that so much um so again an unfortunate summary but uh, you've obviously had a huge arc with with endeavor harmony um what uh, what have been some some takeaways there as far as some some uh, challenges you've overcome, some have you gone through and sort of had to, you've always had the vision, has that, has that stayed the same, uh, just to presumably musical excellence and enjoying music, etc., and enjoying the camaraderie. Um, but yeah, just some, some, some takeaways and some reflections on, on your time. And I'm, I, again, without leading the witness, I, I assume that you would be on board with uh, the vocal majority's uh, Greg Clancy, uh, who says, hard work is a pleasure when improvement is evident. Sorry, say what, what was his quote? Hard work is a pleasure when improvement is evident. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it's keeping myself motivated. The, the area that has been challenging was keeping myself motivated um, and feeling like I was doing it all myself for a while there. And that's when I approached Karen Ramirez um, a couple of years ago and said, you know, do you want to share this job? Because I don't want to do it all on my mm. own anymore. Um, it's There's a lot more to it, as any director knows. There's a lot more to it than just all the fantastic vocal coaching stuff, which is really my passion. Mm. Um, there's a lot of admin. There's a lot of running meetings and all that stuff. And they mm. have to, it has to be done well, but I don't want to do it uh, mm. necessarily. So... Karen uh, came on board and said yes, uh, so she was keen to do some of that. She was also keen to grow and learn more as a frontline director, which is great. We can then, I can do more coaching because when she's conducting, my ears fully work 
whereas they don't fully work when I'm waving my arms around and vice versa for her and it's been a great a great result so for me the the that and I think it's recognizing that you're feeling not so crash hot mm. things aren't going as well that's it's recognizing that and going what am I going to do about this rather than just pushing it on slide. and getting mm. and getting angry and um you know feeling like i don't know feeling not the best um mm. so it's it's short circuiting that cutting it and then figuring out a way to and, and you know more than once i've i've written out lists and sent them to my management team and said these are all the things that are annoying me right, uh-huh. right well, now that, we're, we're running out of time but with? yeah that's actually that's a, 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 the next question i wanted to raise which is what's what, what's your experience of what are, what are the keys to an excellent working relationship between an MD and, and the, the leadership team? Oh, having uh, having the uh, having the job description really clear, mm-hmm. Interesting. and the, and more than the job description, but the relationship mm. between the musical director and the president or mm. or team coordinator, mm-hmm. making sure that that they understand relationship and working on it so it's always in place because mm. the job description just go yeah we want to do that but um they need to be fully supportive of mm-hmm. you and i think that's that's the key thing if you don't have that good relationship with your team coordinator it's really hard got a low ceiling yeah yeah mm. yeah yeah that's awesome. Um, now you've had uh, a bunch of quartet uh, success, obviously, and then naturally as a as a uh, died in the wall barbershopper and uh, um, baritone and harmony singer. Um, uh, did you, as soon as you discovered barbershop, did you think well quartetting would also be a thing for me? And uh, and you've, you've meddled at numerous um, Sweat Out Alliance uh, Australia conventions. Yeah. To, what what are your sort of your takeaways from and your enjoyments from your quartetting life? Yeah. I mean, I think I. I just, I think I've sung with just about every Sweet Adeline in Australia <laughs> over my past 30 years. It's like, will you sing with me? Okay, you know, and then you give it a go. And um, yeah, so it's the first just because you've got to ask, put your money where... Would you sing Sorry? with me? First lesson is ask for someone to sing with you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Will you sing with me? Yeah. Um, and and it's a, great, it's a great way to learn. You know, you've got to do it yourself. And I think... Directors who are in quartets is a good thing because they're they're putting it out there. Are they having a go? They're trying to deliver on what they're telling their chorus that they should be doing. So it's a uh, there's nothing better than than having a, a a good time in a quartet that's 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 working well together mm. as people mm. and putting on putting on stage a pretty good product. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the role briefly of, um, of of encouraging quartets in Endeavour Harmony? Do you, do you mm. sort of just let everyone do their own thing, or do, do you particularly encourage it in no, a certain we, way? Or we we do have a program that we run right. every year called a Scratch Quartet program, where yep. we we ask people to sign up. If you want to be in a quartet but you're not quite sure how, just sign up and tell mm. us what part you want to sing in the quartet, and we will. We will have a day, half a day mm. or a day, and we'll just get everyone who's signed up to sing with different people. Mm. And that's worked really well because there's been some great quartets come out of that. We don't have a lot of quartets at the moment, but it would be the more quartets a chorus has in it, the better 
the chorus is oh, because yeah. they've got independent singers. Mm. Um, so yes, we'll continue to encourage quartet singing for sure. That's awesome. Uh, we're pretty much out of time. So before I get to my last question, uh, Ash, any any final uh, questions from you? Um, not that won't take a long time to answer. So um, I think <laughs> we, we'll need to do a follow-up a second at some podcast. Point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, so um, my last question, uh, Lee, is what would uh, yeah what would nineteen what would twenty twenty three Lee tell nineteen eighty eight Lee about barbershop? What would 2023? This is why I asked for the list of questions. <laughs> no, you see, your response needs to be authentic and in the moment. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think take, take on board what everyone is telling you and then try, your, try, it, try it out and you can't do it all. So... Mm. Just find the bits that work for you and let the other stuff go. Or know that that may be something you can do, but not yet. Yeah, That's right. That's four nice. years down the track. Whereas nice. I was probably trying to do it all in the first two years and not realising that there's a whole process of skill building, building up to uh, what the best quartets in the world can do. Mm. That's um, awesome. Hmm. Brilliant. So just take a bit, take the bits that work for you now, and and keep those things in the in the bottom shelf, and pull them out, and go. Oh, I think I can do that now, or my, keep, I think my chorus can do that now. Keep aspiring to them, and keep yeah, putting the foundations in place to build towards them. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fantastic. What a, what a great chat. Um, thank you for your time, and thanks for um, sharing your wisdom and uh, and a few laughs and and your observations with uh, barber shoppers across Australia and uh, and internationally. I'm sure we have many international listeners. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so Lee, thank you for um, for your uh, musical leadership over the years, and for the immense pleasure that that Endeavour has brought everyone, and uh, and your your quartetting, and just general uh, leadership across the Netherlands, Australia, and elsewhere. And uh, long may continue. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. It was great to chat.